Hello and welcome, and hail and welcome. Today's episode of Dames and Dragons is brought to us by the Warlock Bestiary from Cobalt Press. This new volume of A Dozen Monsters, featuring artwork by Russ Nicholson, is available to all patrons of $3 or more on the Warlock Patreon, where Cobalt Press publishes content from their Midgard setting. Go to patreon.com slash cobaltpress to become a warlock patron today and get the Warlock Bestiary, old school monsters for 5th edition. Well, we have to do an intro, so um, for this intro, I want to talk about the time Caitlin murdered me. <laughs> I knew it! Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I remember that time. Kat, I miss you. Wait, wait. Sometimes I still hear your voice. But I uh, I cry myself to sleep every night just from the guilt of what I've done. But someone, I, f- I feel like, no, I remember I like walked into the room. Yeah. And someone had murdered Caitlyn. That is true. Who murdered Caitlyn first? That doesn't sound right. It was Noelle. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I walked no, into the no, room. No, right? no, 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 And no. I saw that, uh, that Noelle had actually shot. Caitlin, no, um, with a missile, with a no, missile no, through the no. through the heart, yeah, no. and then Caitlin in her, what you said, yes, yes, Caitlin in her dying <laughs> moment, yeah, shot the missile as I fell to the ground. I was aiming for Noel, but I missed, and it hit Cat right in the right in the old eyeball, yeah, and yep. then um, Cat fell down, and um, mm, what you said, and then I found a note that Noel had actually written. Says, dear sister. <laughs> um, so the moral of the story is that I made a shootable uh, rocket with rubber band, and none of us were uh, mature enough to be in the same room as it, <laughs> and no one survived. Everyone died. Everyone died. And Podcast Caitlin canceled. hit me in the face. <laughs> I did. It was an accident, but I do want to say, like. I'm very proud of my instinctual aim, just like <laughs> for the eye. Just like that I that I was able to immediately go for a face. The like, lethality. Yeah, it was incredible. Like I mean, Kat would look pretty cool with an eye patch. She would. I would. I but also I'd look pretty cool with most, you know, most cool of accessories intact. True. Oh yes. That's true. Yes. I am an I am <laughs> As everybody knows, I'm the default template of an anime girl dress-up game. So oh, yeah. I'm yeah. very yeah, cool in very all, true. all accessories. Cat, whoa! <laughs> yeah, I just I just realized that that is like 100 percent what cat is. That did ex- that actually like explains, explains so lot. much. Yeah. As I've said before, I'm just an anime girl in an anime world, and let's play D and D. I am your DM. Hi, I'm Noelle, and I play Fran, a water genasi wizard at level 7. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like a good follow-up. Oh, okay, I'll give you time. I'll stall. Thanks. Uh, hey, everybody, it's me, Hannah Colbert. I play Slake, a level 7 half-orc fighter. And boy, is it great to be here today making direct eye contact with Caitlin whilst I... Desperately <laughs> stall for time. Hello, this is Caitlin. Hey. Bring it up the room. 
play Corbin. <laughs> he that, is. That was sonically awful. <laughs> Sonic boom. <laughs> he is a human druid level seven. Exactly. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at the <laughs> Metrodome. <laughs> I miss the metronome. Kids eat still just five bucks. Five bucks. Do they still do the monster truck rallies at US Bank? Oh no. I'm at the US Bank Stadium, not the bank. The bank itself. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. The bank. Drive right through the vaults. Yeah, boy. That's how we take down capitalism. One US Bank at a time. Uh, yeah. All right. So what happened last time? Last time, last time. Uh, you guys met up with Slake. It went great. Uh, you met the queen. Corbin threw some sludge into a bowl to talk to Vioni. You've decided to trust Slake for the moment. Hopefully they don't die. Loria came to visit you and uh, told you that there is some grand conspiracy within the palace and that someone in the palace is working with the pirates. And she asked you guys to do your heroing and uh, figure out who it is. Uh, that is where you are. All right, so after about a half an hour, there is another knock at your door, and Dodson comes in, and he, he has a little card on a tray, and he stops in the doorway, and he says, the queen's seamstress is here to see you. I look at the card. What does the card say? It says, Branda. Branda Pomelars. Nice. So Are you writing name. that down? You don't need to write that down. You never know. We all pick up our pens. I don't want to forget Branda's name. Okay. Branda. Branda. You don't need to write it down. Branda's I never going to be a suspect. See. You don't she know that. Kat, you're trying to lead us astray. Exactly. Kat's trying to throw us off a scent. Throw us off Branda's scent. I'm on to you, Branda. I'm you, Branda. on brand. Uh. <gasps> yep. So she, who wants to go first with Branda? Me. I have questions. Okay. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? So Branda takes you back and she has like probably 12 assistants with her and they each come in carting a pallet full of different fabrics. Uh, She takes you back to your rooms, Corbin, and uh, she starts measuring you and holding up bolts of fabric to your complexion. Hey, I got demands. Well, sir, I will do your best to accommodate the demands. However, the fashions of the court are strict and ever-changing. So if you do not want to be laughed out of here, I suspect you would like to listen to uh, my suggestions. I'll assess them. (laughs) Anyway, what are your requests? I want it black, and I need a boob window. Uh, I see. Well... You're in luck. Black is currently one of the favored colors of the court. However, we will need to break that up with some pops of color. Do you have any preferences? White. That is not a color. (laughs) (laughs) Red. Shadow the hedgehog over here. (laughs) He He has a boob window. Think about it. Shadow the hedgehog. Think about it. Think about, about it. Think about Shadow the Hedgehog and you think guys, about what you've done. I uh, I quit the podcast. <laughs> I, but really think about it. Think, I don't you want think to about think it. about it. Think, think about the aesthetic that you just established for Corbin, where he's wearing red and black with a triangular shape on his chest, and really think about it. <laughs> you just you fucking think about it, Kayla. <laughs> you think about what you've done. Well, <laughs> I killed Caitlin. All right. Well, okay. I'm going to block this conversation from my memory. I'm going to think about it. All right. Um, So while Branda is working with Slake and Corbin to get their their 
wardrobe sorted. Um, I want to read my diary. Oh, okay. Hey, Mary, you want to watch me read something? (laughs) Mary shrugs. Just okay. You can read it too, like if you can. I don't know. (laughs) All right. So Mary sits on the sofa next to you to try and read over your shoulder. Okay. As you open up the goddess's book, I have advantage, right? Yep, you have advantage. You're in a town with a library. Okay. Well, I rolled a nineteen. Okay. You want to see if you roll a twenty? Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you see a vision in front of you. It's picking up right where the last one left off, where you'd seen a man kissing the goddess's hand. And then you see him smile. And you see a mouse full of onyx obsidian teeth. And the goddess says, I should have known you would turn up eventually. What do you want? And she takes her hand from his and he straightens up. He says, My love, I have come to offer you a solution to our long-standing problems. And then the vision fades. And here is what is written on this page in the diary. Moonin died today. We burned her body and returned it to the sky. I... Couldn't bear the thought of her being buried in the ground. When mortals die, they go to Eol's embrace. What happens when a god dies? Where do they go? Where do we go? I'm one of them now. I I must remember that. Sir Nunes spends much of his time in the forest with his kin. He wishes to pass on his knowledge to them before he goes. He wishes for them to teach the citizens magic. If we are ever attacked, he worries that I alone would not be able to defend the island. He's right, of course. He believes I should be protected by a personal guard once he's gone, but I can't stand the idea of being babysat at every turn. But if I fell, so would the island. So I have agreed to let the animal tribes train warriors to protect me. Sir Nunes says that the symbolism will lend me power. There is power in symbols. I wish I could spend more time with him, but I feel so thin these days, like my soul has been stretched too far. I pray, but I'm not even sure who I'm praying to. My mother forces Talia, but I have a feeling she's not fond of me. I stole her children's power. I'm weary. I must find some way to gain more power before our enemies manage to breach the island again. Book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel a surge of power, which you can use to shape into a new spell. Okay, cool. So I got my power. I turn to Mary and I'm like, so how is that for you? <laughs> Mary shrugs. She signs. Honestly, I can't read anything on the page. What does it look like? It just, she squints at the page and then shakes her head. It, it just doesn't look like anything to me. She puts her arms around herself and looks out the window and then takes her arms away and signs, I just wonder what she felt she had to hide from me. I mean, okay, I have a two-pronged argument. (laughs) Number one, I think it's not about you. This specific thing has a psychic link with me. I don't think anyone can understand it but me. Two, 
you know every language. You can just not know one language. <laughs> Mary, Mary laughs at that. Uh, and then shakes her head. I, I just, I get the feeling that she didn't, she knew something was going to happen or else she wouldn't have left you that book. And I wonder, I just, I don't know. Do you think she didn't know you would be around? She shrugs. I guess you'll need to keep reading. Fran, are you wearing Alonia's amulet? Yes. You are? Okay. Um, so just as you're about to close the book, you feel a tugging in your amulet. What the f- Okay. <laughs> I, like, half close it and then open it again. You just, you feel this tugging at your amulet still, and it, it doesn't go away. And if you close the book, it does. If I, like, bend down so the amulet can touch the book, does anything happen? Yes. There is a flurry of pages, as if there were sections that were stuck together that are suddenly unstuck. What the fuck? So that amulet would have belonged to Torva originally? Yeah, it did. Why would Torva's amulet... It's weird. Well, they might have been in cahoots a little bit. I think they might have been in a little bit of cahoots and canoodles. Yeah. What's so cahoots fuck? and canoodles? <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Mary's dad, so there was some canoodling. Oh, cat! Cahoots and canoodles. Oh, but- canoodles and cahoots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, can I read them? Yeah, you can. I mean, if you page through them, it looks like there's just suddenly way more entries than any time you had looked at the book previously. Huh. So, like, these will be, like, more things will be revealed, like, as I read, or can I read something now? Yeah, you want to read something now? Do you want to just choose a page at random, or go to the next one that opens for you? Um, I'll choose, like, the first one, the first new one that opened. Okay. It reads, We had another visitor today. I am too trusting with these newcomers. I not realize their very presence on my island would open the door for him. I do not even wish to put his name on paper for fear it will give him more power here. As it stands, he can hardly manifest. My influence is too strong, and his is far too weak. He laughed when he saw me, called me a child. This body is well into its teens, but still, he did everything he could to make me feel small. I will not be cowed by him. I cast him out immediately, but it won't take long before he's able to manifest again. I cannot cast the tieflings out. I told them they were welcome that I would shelter them from the world below. But I must be careful not to allow his influence to spread further. I've asked the city guard to be on alert for any other forms of worship in the city, and to bring any cases directly to me. I will not allow this sanctuary to become another playground for the gods' petty squabbles. Huh. Do you want to read the next page? I mean, I will. I want to know all the information yeah, that I can know. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> The next page that opened up reads as follows. He asked me an interesting question today. I know, I should have cast him out immediately. But he is far too weak for me to even really consider him a threat. I let him talk. Who's the winner? What an odd question. I keep turning it over in my mind. I had thought that I had won when I removed myself and my people from the world below, but I am still battling. I fight with my citizens, with my clergy, with the other gods who would manipulate me. I fight with my own mortal spirit. 
clinging to each life for as long as I can. What is the game? The longer I live, the more patterns I see turning in the world. There are different pieces, but the same game. Something I still cannot make out the shape of. He says he knows not the will of the forces, but I do not know if I should believe him. I don't trust him. So if this is all a game, who is the winner? Who benefits from everything here? It is not me, it is not the gods, it is not the mortals. Who's the winner? And then the pages all sort of flurry again and begin sealing themselves back together and the journal closes on you. Well? <sighs> Corbin bursts out of his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Covered in... Covered in like fabric and just pins. Just fabric yeah, and pins. Like, <laughs> I can't work like this! <laughs> uh, Fran like blinks and he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, Corbin, what's wrong? She poked me. <laughs> uh, Mary comes over and starts soothing you, Corbin, and she heals your your little st <laughs> stuck finger. Oh my god! <laughs> Thanks, Mary. She, she ushers you away from Fran, who clearly needs a moment or two to process this. <laughs> oh man! Well, I pull Corbin and Mary into a, a huddle, whispering vaguely. Team meaning <laughs> um and i tell them like everything that i just read that's <laughs> not that i'm calling you <laughs> all right all women are queens friend <laughs> I, I, that's... Uh, uh... does mary have any thoughts mary is just sort of in shock so slake Darius comes skittering into the room under the door and starts chirping wildly at you, squeaking about something, something that he was maybe listening in on. Well, what's wrong, little buddy? Squeaks and squeaks and squeaks and squeaks, and then skitters back out under the door. Uh, give me a minute. And uh, I assume that I'm I'm midway through. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't want to, like, just interrupt them and, you know, like... Huh. <laughs> You're so much better than Corbin. <laughs> So much more polite. <laughs> so you let them them unpin you from your, your yeah. trappings and yeah. Although I do want to address something with that. Yeah, cat. Uh, what are Torva's like colors as far as uh, uh, purple and black? Yeah. Okay. And would his people who are worshiping Torva within the city would they be like people in the court? Would they wear that? They might. Okay. They might. I mean, but also that is also just like a combination of colors. So okay. Cool. Cool. Well, I think. Yeah, I would like to kind of have my outfit in those, uh, in that palette. Are you going to be mad suspicious black? of you? Yeah, we're going to be so suspicious, but I know what you're doing and I love it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Very cool, very cool. So Darius is just sort of hovering at the edge of Fran and Mary's parlor. He's been doing a little, little bee leaves dropping. Okay. And is the, the, I'm assuming like the door is closed? Uh, there is no door there. It's just an archway, so. Oh, okay. Well, do I hear anything coming from inside? You just hear them huddled and whispering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm going to try to listen in on the conversation. Ah! Got to try and eavesdrop. Okay. Yeah. Um, why don't you just roll a perception check just to see how good your hearing is? I think with my perception, that's going to be like a 15. Okay. Yeah, you can, you, you catch some good snatches of it. 
And that's continued their conversations. <clears throat> so Mary just, Mary shrugs, Mary signs. That is a good question. Who's the winner? It is a good question. I'm a nihilist. Okay. Corbin. I'm a nihilist too, which is why I think that people are acting on their own desires. I agree completely, Fran. Or forces, or whatever. But somebody's got to win at the end. Well, it's not going to be Torva. Maybe not. It was going to be us. <laughs> Mary signs, I hope so. Fran fucking looks at her necklace. <laughs> She's just like, what the fuck? Not to be not to be a member of the court, but like, who's playing the game? She mentioned the forces. Mary nods and signs, we have not considered their role in this. Aren't they just like non-sentient influences? Mary shakes her head. No, from my understanding, they they're observers. They're they created this world and they created mortals and they created the gods to protect them, but they never say why. Why would they give power to people or gods they don't even like? She said that Talia was not <laughs> fond of her. Did they have control over that? Mary shrugs. I assumed that my force of godhood comes from Talia, but maybe it has just been passed down from Talia to the beasts to Kai and then to me. I don't know. Maybe that bit about the gods supposed to be protecting the mortals is just like something that got made up to make the mortals not feel like shit. Yeah. Mary shakes her head. Well, maybe, but mortals were created first and then gods- Yeah, fuck the gods! <laughs> Sorry, Mary. <laughs> the gods were created to, well, during a disagreement between the forces. Some believed that mortals should be left to their own devices, but others felt that mortals would, well, that they would create chaos if left unchecked, and the gods were a compromise, rather than the forces having a direct hand in events. The gods are, we are meant to be their actors. So is someone just trying to win this argument? Mary shrugs. Also, I don't understand. If you're going to make something to prevent chaos, why would you just make the same exact thing you made originally, but it doesn't die and it has crazy powers? That's like the stupidest thing. <laughs> Mary gives a big old shrug. <laughs> That's nuts. Forces are dumb. And there's something else I'm thinking about, too. If Kai wasn't praying to Talia, who was she praying to? She said even she doesn't know. Yeah. Who do you pray to, Mary? Mary! <laughs> who is your god? Who is your god? Pray to them! Pick pray a god me. and pray! <laughs> Mary shakes her head. I, I pray to Talia, but I direct my prayers through as Cecilia and Cordelia taught me. I direct them through the spirits of the beast gods. And she looks down at the floor as she says this. I don't know if that's even true, I suppose, considering who they turned out to be. How did we learn how to pray? 
were we taught to pray to, like, I prayed to Sir Nunes? You pray to Mary. I mean, you guys are all... We, everybody, we just pray to the goddess. Yeah, everybody on Estra prayed to the goddess. Okay. The religion on Estra was very monotheistic. Okay. Well, as long as we get to kill Dashing Dawson at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> on some level, we win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as Dashing Dawson doesn't win. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have your fittings. Mary and Fran, you get... You get draped in beautiful cloth and poked and prodded with pins and needles. Mm. Can I ask what she said that the fashions are extremely set? Like, what are the fashions? Okay, yes. So for women, the gowns currently are slim uh, with, you know, slim skirts and long trains. And then for men, it's a very similar style of like the coats are cut with very long tails um, and they're sort of slim cut robes. There is a great call for intricate beading and embroidery, especially on the tails of coats and the trains of dresses. And uh, can I get fish? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You can Very request cool. fish. Very cool. Um, those- oh, my God. An octopus. Corbin yeah. <laughs> requested birds. Okay. And yeah. he wants them to be embroidered in black, so you can't even see. Embroideried? <laughs> Emboid- <laughs> he wants those embroidered. Uh, there is also currently a fashion of uh, elaborate headdresses, especially for women. It's like, where do you, where do you, how do you want to combine these? I mean, I don't have to. You don't have to, but I just didn't want to, I didn't want to put you into a gender box. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, primarily what I'm looking for here, I want to look like a dashing villain. Ooh, are there any headdresses that could give me sort of a something reminiscent of either antenna or say uh, like a stag beetle uh, setup? Yeah, you can ask them to make one. <laughs> Hell yeah, love that. Yep, so good, <laughs> loving it. All right, so uh, you they they they'll come back tomorrow with day wear. Uh, evening wear will follow, and they will make sure that you have proper ball attire by the end of the week uh, as. The queen will be throwing a ball, so you'll need that. But as, like, they're talking you through all the different looks, you get a sense, a very good sense, that you are about to be inundated with a lot of clothing. Like, mm. there is a there is a time of day for each type of clothing, and there is an occasion for each type of clothing, and then there's different clothing for different occasions that are at different times of day. Oh, my God. <laughs> And one of the seamstress assi- assistants, Fran, when you're sort of asking about this, she she stresses, she says, you cannot wear an evening gown to a day event. You will be laughed out of the court. If you have questions, you should ask your valet. He will be able to instruct you. Yeah, Batson, Batson, I got it. <laughs> to the mineral. <laughs> okay, we're back on schedule, boys. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. <laughs> I've been working <laughs> to get this episode out on time. <laughs> um, I'd like to thank our sponsor today, and that is Elderwood Academy. Elderwood Academy are artisans who craft amazing gaming products, including dice towers, dice trays, dice boxes, deck boxes, dice, and more. All the products are crafted to look like spellbooks, scroll cases, codexes, and other awesome fantasy gear. 
If you hop on over to their site, elderwoodacademy.com, you can check it out now. And I'm here to tell you that this stuff actually looks like super, super dope. They even have a keychain product that holds like mini dice inside, which is honestly something I really need because I always forget my dice and I never forget my keys because I cannot leave my home without them. You can choose your artwork and your color of dice and whether you want the keychain loop or not. It's really cool. Uh, Again, you can find that product and many more at elderwoodacademy.com. And be sure to let them know that DSPN sent you. I also want to thank our beautiful, beautiful iTunes reviewers today. That goes out to my beautiful son, Zamer 100, my beautiful son, Mermaid Space Queen, my beautiful son, Carefully Chaotic, who said that our podcast smells of lavender and witch hazel, and my beautiful son, B-Dubs Fairbanks, who apparently we met at Gen Con. Hi, sup? I don't, I, I don't know who you are in particular, but good. Um... My beautiful sons come in all genders, just FYI. Thank you so much also to our beautiful new and increasing Patreon donors. That goes out to Joy, Michaela, Landon, Patrick, Kelsey, Alex, Sam, AOD Industries, Brandon, Landon and Brandon. Brandon, I uh, I might have thanked you last time, but still, thank you. Uh, y'all are the greatest in the world. Thank you so much. Uh, we talk on the regular about how amazed and touched we are by the generosity and incredibleness of our patrons. So seriously, thank you guys. Uh, last of all, a message to our beautiful Chantel. I love you more than life itself, Chantel. This message, Chantel, has reminded me, Chantel, that I need to text you, Chantel, and uh, hang out this week, Chantel. So... Get ready, Chantel! The code word is Don Key? Don K? Go! Is there anything else you guys want to do with the day? Um, oh, we should go try to find Shaw. Yeah, I was just going to say, we should go try to find Shaw. <laughs> we got a friend here. Yeah. He's very... um. He's really... He's super smart. Like, powerful. Yeah, he's like a... Cr- he's so strong. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, he sounds pretty cool. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's handsome, too. Yeah, he's so handsome. He's older than us, though, so... Yeah. <laughs> Where do you guys want to look for Shaw? At the university. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you guys head out to the university. The doors are shut pretty tight. And it looks like they are... Uh... What? Yeah. <clears throat> I knock on the doors. There's a, a long pause and then a smaller side door opens. <gasps> and a, a gnome woman pokes her head out. She goes, uh, can I help you? Hey, what's the deal? We're here to see Shaw. Uh... I'm sorry, the university's closed for the evening. There were pirate attacks in the city. We want to wait for Uh. the all clear before we open up the university's uh, collection again. You said you were looking for Shaw? Yeah, Shaw. Uh, Professor Shaw Kyle? 
Yeah, probably. I don't know. His name's Shaw. <laughs> I'm afraid Professor Shaw has not yet returned from his expedition into the... Well, I don't know that I can say where he is exactly, but he's, he's not yet returned. His colleagues have returned from Denmark, though. So he's just been gone for, like, what? six months? What's yeah. he been doing? Is he okay? Uh, you should ask his colleagues. I, If you'd like to step inside, I will... I will uh, summon them. Okay, I go to like go inside her small door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a bit comical because it is a gnome-sized door. <laughs> yeah. And so you guys just sort of squeeze through. Mm-hmm. And she's very taken aback like this. She's like, oh, no, I mean, you don't need to come. I would summon them to the gate. Oh, you're already inside. <laughs> so it's good enough for you. It's good enough for us. Yeah. <laughs> come on, Slake. Get in here. I'm already there. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you guys get in through this little door and you're in the, it looks just like a little receptionist's room. Mm. The ceilings aren't of normal height, but the furniture is all low. And uh, the gnome woman s- sort of mutters something. She says, this, this way, please. And she leads you through a normal sized <laughs> door uh, and into the grand foyer of the university. And immediately you you see, you understand, and you feel why all those scholars were so disparaging about the Danmar University. Because the foyer of this university opens up into one of its libraries. It is a great circular hall with a like, chandelier dangling from the center of it. And like lots of little spaces to sit and read. And you see a few students who are hanging out there uh, just chatting reading books, doing some studying. Wow. Corbin keeps his eyes peeled for anybody who looks like a young, hot king of Danmar. <laughs> Franz, like, spins around, like, in the sound of music. Yep. <laughs> yep, sounds right. Sounds good. How does Slake feel about books? Uh, I mean, Slake's definitely looking around uh, excitedly, just because this is kind of a new experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're hoping there's, like, an entomology section. <laughs> All right, so uh, after... A few minutes in the foyer, a familiar face comes round one of the corners, and it is Amina, uh, Professor Shaw's research assistant, who you met at the University of Danmar. She goes, oh my goodness, uh, and she switches to old common. She goes, I greet thee, welcome to our fine, uh, place. I love your place. (laughs) It's great here. We are talking in in New Common, of yes, course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your it, your uh, New Common has greatly improved since last time I saw you. Yeah, we're super smart. It was so easy. It's not that difficult to learn. Oh, and uh, who's your f- friend here? <laughs> oh, uh, hi. Uh, pleased to meet you, ma'am. I'm uh, Slake. Uh, you know, just uh, joined up. They're our intern. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, no shame in that. We all have to start somewhere. I know I've fetched a few too many teas before I got my research assistant position. Please come have a seat. Tell me of your adventures. Before we before we do that, please, is Shaw okay? Yeah. We heard that he's just been, like, not here for, like, six months. Is, and he, is he alive? Is he dead or what? Oh, oh, he's fine, I assume. This sort of thing is not uncommon for him, I'm afraid. He tends to go off on an adventure and tell us all about it only when he remembers to. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, but he did send us this, and she reaches into her robes and pulls out a small illustration. It looks like it's Shaw standing with some orcs. (gasps) (laughs) 
in like a desert. It's just a little illustration of them. Oh my god! Send, send them a postcard. Uh, there's writing on the back that it, it's very very cramped and very very small, and it seems that he's like. Just putting as much information about everything that he's seen and all of the ruins of Estra that he's been investigating and all his new orc friends. And <laughs> Are they the orcs that we knew? Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah, That's you'd amazing. recognize uh, Nodrick as one of the orcs. Oh, it's not Rick. Oh. I miss them. Not Rick. Oh. And, uh, Slake, you would have, like, some familiarity with the desert orcs. Nodrick is, like, he's their chief, so... You know him. Oh, damn. Yeah. Well, this guy must be uh, kind of a big deal, huh? Yeah. He's yeah. our best friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> oh, we, I suppose she wanted us to tell her about our oh, adventures. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we do that, but we make ourselves sound like really good. And I would assume that this is also Slake's first time hearing about like what we've been doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. How does Slake feel about all this? I mean, Slake's... This whole time, just been incredibly fucking intimidated. <laughs> like, they are super impressed. They think you guys are like super fucking cool. I'll wait until they see us in action. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a, a super, I think, firm understanding or grasp on how magic works. And so they think that you guys can basically just do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. And I like make like as as we go through, I like make illustrations of Oh, you, you make know, illusions? Yeah, little yeah. little illusions, little slideshow. Perfect. Or like a romance novel always and like Fran is like really muscular and she's like mm, like in everyone. <laughs> like Corbin's like laying at her feet. <laughs> Corbin does voices and he always makes Fran's voice just sound like ridiculous. Like it does. <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> Real annoying. <laughs> Uh, and Amina just, she listens to all this absolutely wrapped, and she sighs and says, wow, you're like heroes out of legend. It's amazing. I should be taking, I should be taking notes. Uh, and she's like, immediately begins scrambling for, for some ink and paper and realizes she doesn't have any on her. And just like stares around the library in desperation. <laughs> the desperation of a student who didn't bring a pen to the lecture. Oh, man. Well. Cool. Uh, Corbin wants to say, hey. Is uh, Princess Zom around? Oh. Uh, I uh, said I'd say hi to him for his dad. Oh, well, uh, no, I'm afraid he's not. He doesn't attend the university. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he went to the school. That noise. <laughs> I, well, he was attending the university, but I'm uh, afraid he hasn't attended classes in quite some time. Why? Uh, you would have to ask him. He was attending my introduction to anthropological analysis class, but uh, he just stopped attending after a while. Do you know where he is? I assume he's at the palace. Hmm. Um. I don't know if this guy's going to be a good influence on you, Corin. Uh, I think he's been kidnapped. Maybe he went uh. to horse camp. <laughs> what? What is that? Uh, is that like a mind. prison for horses? Why would you say that? <laughs> Forget I said anything. All right, I will. <laughs> Mary looks at you, like and, and signs. Wait, wait. So are the horses the ones who are camping? <laughs> Mary, put it from your mind. <laughs> Mary, don't think. Don't let it poison you. <laughs> but how do horses camp? Mary. Mary. <laughs> 
<laughs> You'll drive yourself crazy. Why would humans go to horse camp? It like, feels bad for having brought up horse Corbin camp. Corbin gives her back a little pat and says, shh, shh. Um, very cool. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. She was the one who told us a lot about like the history of the gods and stuff. Yeah. Her specialty is uh, lost myths. Okay. So like, oh, damn. Yeah. That's what her. We're talking to the right person. Holy shit. Yeah, her area of study is looking into, like, what is missing of the historical and the mythological record. So, Amina, I seem to remember that you know a lot about lost myths and and god stuff. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm writing my dissertation on. We have been recently wondering about the forces. Oh, that is a very good question. Let me see here. She waves down a haggard-looking undergrad, and she says, can you hunt down for me? Let's see. I'm going to need... Oh, let me write you a list. (laughs) And then she looks around and goes, oh, shoot. Do you want... Can I... And then she just, like, takes his writing materials out of his hands slowly (laughs) and begins writing him a list. Will you please fetch these for me? Thank you so much. Um, uh, Anyway, um, the forces. So I have sent... I'm sorry. I don't know his name. Oh, I'm becoming worse than Shaw. Uh, He'll be back with some reference materials that I can send back with you. Where are you staying, by the way? Palace. You know, just like the palace. Just like the palace. Just like where, you know, like where the queen fucking lives. Yeah, like in her room. Uh, We're not staying in the queen's room, Mary's side. (laughs) So, well, the forces are a very ambiguous characters in mythology. How far back do you want me to go? I mean, from the beginning and with an emphasis on anything that they would want. Yeah. Well, no one really knows what they want. That's been a big question throughout scholarship. I mean, why were any of us created? Why create a world? We did this already. (laughs) (laughs) I've been having an existential crisis all day. Yeah. (laughs) Well... Let's see here. Before the forces, there were giants. And let me go back even further. Before there was anything, there is what was called in a lot of scholarship, it's called what is not. So we exist on the realm of what is. And then there is another realm beyond us, the realm of what is not. And in the realm of what is not, there's Avadel or the, the Green Mountain in the common tongue, and that's where the forces are. And then there's Galdel, which is the barren rock, basically. And that's where kind of everything else is. So, like, giants and demons all come from Galdel. And then Avalis sits in between them, and we are the realm of what is. So the forces, they created our world out of the bodies of three giants. And so these giants, uh, they roamed around the void until they came across this formless pit of magic that the forces had been collecting. When these giants came across the the fledgling world that would one day become Avalis, it was nothing more than just oceans and magic, and that is the preferred food of a giant, is formless, delicious magic. They tried to, well, eat our world, I guess, Um, but... Rael, the the force of war, took his lasso of flame and subdued the creatures. Uh, but you can't kill a giant, so he called upon Certus, 
the force of knowledge who put them into an everlasting slumber. And then Talia, force of nature, who turned their flesh into earth. And then all that was left was their skeletons, protecting their, their still-beating hearts, which pumped life into the world. And so Sirtis then shaped this blood and life into the minds of mortals. And Talia made their bodies out of the giant's flesh and shaped their varying forms. Fen leaned down and breathed life into their eyes, and Yol pressed a hand on their hearts, and that claimed each one to return to the world that they had created. And so it was agreed that the forces would each make gods to guide the world, but not all of the forces created gods to help mortals, which is where we get Rael, who made gods which would occupy mortals with thoughts of war and glory. And then, who knows why Odile made their gods? Which gods are those? The trickster and the thief, the god of secrets, Hetlia, mm. um, Pavia, the truce, which actually sort of is a weird one in that pantheon, but Pavia's been long gone from the world for many years, so we're not really sure how she fits into all of the grand scheme of things. So I'm, I look down at myself, I'm made of, I'm made of giants. <laughs> Yeah, well, sort of. I mean, you're made of giants too. We don't actually know that. It could all just be an elaborate metaphor, you know. Ugh. So could could all of the the mortals like conglomerate and turn back into a giant? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, really, it's just one big myth. It's more likely that we were all, you know, once upon a time. Like monkeys, and then we just sort of became better monkeys. That's a very sp- specific idea. That's like no, that's insane. That's crazy. <laughs> it's not a very popular theory, but <laughs> but there's a lot of promising evidence. So, uh, metaphorically speaking, um, Slake knows about metaphors. <laughs> if these, well, yes, I do. Thank you. Uh, if these <laughs> giants uh, were to wake up. What would that mean? Well, again, we don't know that there are... I mean, it's actually very unlikely that there are actually sleeping giants underneath the earth, but... But as a metaphor. (laughs) Metaphorically, yeah. I guess if you woke the giants, then one of the continents would just walk away? That seems bad. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's not going to happen. I'm having a very specific and uncomfortable mental image. So, why they created the world, or for what purpose, it's not really clear. It just sort of, all of the mythology just kind of says that they they did it. Some theorize that our world is a byproduct of them protecting Avidel. That they just used what the parts of the giants that they slayed so that the giants couldn't come back and attack them. Others say that the giants were lured here, and that our world is created for a greater purpose, but there's no real theory about what that purpose might be. And then if you start factoring gods into it, why the gods were created and why they chose those specific things. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting sort of into other fields of study here. So these, these giants are dead. The forces defeated them. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. Here's something really crazy. We don't have a lot of dwarven literature past the last... Well, I'd say the last age, but in what we do have, there's a lot of talk about the mountain's heart, 
And some people theorize that that is the heart of a giant, and that they're still here underneath the mountains of Avalis. But there's not really any proof for that, because we haven't had contact with the dwarven civilizations in over an age, so... I'm about to go mountain climbing. <laughs> <laughs> like a big old cicada. Exactly. What? What's that? What? You know, uh, cicadas? They they lie dormant under the ground for a really long time, and then eventually they, uh, they emerge. Uh, but, uh, um... They wake up? Well, yeah. They gotta complete their life cycle. Corbin looks directly into Fran's eyes. Fran is looking back, and she puts both her hands on Corbin's shoulders. Corbin grabs Fran's ears. <laughs> <laughs> we put our foreheads together, and we're making um, eye contact yeah. like two inches we're away. We're psychically linked right now. <laughs> Mary looks over at you, like, and signs, I wish I could say they weren't usually like this. <laughs> uh, uh, no worries. Did I, uh, did I miss something? <laughs> Mary shrugs. <laughs> I pushed Corbin away as if I never grabbed yeah, him. Yeah, Corbin like slaps your face a little bit. <laughs> um, y- thanks for all the uh, info, Amina. Um, funny question. Did uh, Torva ever save the world? Oh. Oh. That is actually a very interesting question. It's something I'm looking into as part of my dissertation. Huh? So, we don't have a lot of details about it. It was in the first age, like, before we really have any written records, especially post the last great calamity. But there are whispers that Torva was once a hero god, that he led the the armies of men to a, a great victory, but we don't have any details on what that victory was or how it shaped the world that we live in today. But there's a great amount of historical significance. It's really fascinating. It's really just talked about in scraps of what we have remaining from that age. Um, something about exploration and and a glorious purpose, but beyond that, really don't know much. Do you know who he was fighting? We don't. Sor- some sources point to the gods underneath the forests of, of Avari, who he was fighting. You know, like, Specifically, there's some writing that he fought with Ruva the Thunder and Certinus the Deep. However, other sources, some that are closer to the original source material, say that it is Avari himself that Torva was fighting. So he would have been fighting an actual force of something. Yes, but it's not clear if he was fighting Avari as a concept, you know, the concept of the Tempest, or if he was actually fighting the actual force, which is a little bit more far-fetched, considering they don't exist in our realm. I mean, it's Torva, though. Seems like he'd go for it. What I'm hearing are a lot of water-based gods. (laughs) You feeling persecuted, Fran? (laughs) Feeling fucking worried, Corbin. (laughs) Well, Avari historically comes up in a lot of myths as as an antagonist, or as a... It's not just water-based gods, although those are the gods underneath him. But Avari represents the tempest, the the cruelty of nature, and the unpredictability of the natural world. So some scholars theorize that Torva wasn't actually fighting in any armies or any gods or forces, that he was just trying to tame the natural world. Which is actually more in line with his characteristics throughout the rest of the mythos. So he would want to tame it so he could control it. So we don't get killed by nature, we just kill each other. I mean, 
Maybe. That's one interpretation. Uh, how much do you know about, say, Vioni and the, uh, monsters? Oh, well, that's not really my area of study, but I do have a colleague who was telling me about her research. And what she's saying is that Vioni, during her time as Torvis Paramour, was one of the main creators of monsters and that she she really brought a lot of the worst things into the world. I know, I'm sorry, I know in your culture that monsters are a vital source of resources and and, and have great religious significance. I'm so sorry. I didn't uh, I didn't mean to offend. I mean, I think we all know that monsters are great, but uh <laughs> well, like I was saying. So Vioni, she's sort of known as this mother of monsters, but with her disappearance from the general mythos and and pantheon of worship 2000 years ago, it's unclear about if she has any hand in monsters of current day or if the monsters of current day are her descendants. And it's greatly theorized that should she return, there would be a great resurgence of monstrous activity in the world. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm so sorry. I know I know that 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 they're um I'm so so sorry. <laughs> I don't uh, speak with any forks. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and she is very red in the face. She feels very bad for offending uh, your, your it, culture. Hey, I mean, it's not really... <laughs> yeah, a lot of orcs, uh, we rely on uh, on monsters as part of our whole uh, system. But uh, for me, it's actually a little more uh, personal. So uh, don't worry about the whole culture thing. I mean, I, I get that monsters cause some problems. I just think they, uh, they're a little misunderstood. Well, you really offended them. <laughs> Look, it's it's cool. I know you don't. Don't worry about it. Hey, you know, you know this town pretty well. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not from here, but I've been living here for the last hundred years. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, anybody in the court? I'm afraid I don't know that much. I'm pretty low ranking and within my family at Ilfra, so they haven't really introduced me to the court. One of my cousins is supposedly here on state business, but from a much higher rank in our family than I am, so I don't know him personally. But that ambassador? I look at my list and I say, Maldrix? Oh, yes. Although, actually, he's not technically an ambassador. I think oh. from what the last letter from my parents said, I think he's just following Ambassador Almenia? Uh, <laughs> I guess he's trying to secure a marriage contract between their families, what but the? it's not going well from what my parents say. What the? Not to spread court gossip. I am not a gossip. <laughs> I'm not gossiping. This is not, not gossip, and it's... it stays between us. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But in the court of Ilfra, Maldrix is known to be kind of a rake, I guess. What's that? It means he's kind of a, a cad. He's a tramp? He, you know. He's a tramp. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but they love him. Breaks a new heart every day. All right. So, exactly. So, no one's really <laughs> sure. So, no one's really sure if his intentions are actually to marry Ambassador Elmenia or if he's just being Maldrix. Gross. 
But Man, again, I'm not gossiping. He is my superior in our family, and he holds a much higher rank than me. And if this got back to him that I was saying anything negative, it would be very bad for me. He'll never know we spoke to you. I'll, I've already forgotten your name. He'll yeah, never. we won't tell everybody that uh, you told us that Maldrix is a rake. Hey! Slake. <laughs> Intern. Shh. Amina, don't worry. He'll never know anything again. <laughs> that is... We're going to kill Maldrix. <laughs> That's really threatening. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't. Do you want us to kill that guy? Do you want us to, though? No! Okay. All right. (laughs) So that's kind of the only thing you know about the court. Um, Yeah, I really don't keep much up with that. I mean, I've been working on this dissertation for the last 30 years, so it's kept me pretty busy. Um, so, uh, one more thing. Uh, so, since Torva kind of, uh, you know, sort of caused the end of the world that one time... How do people kind of uh, justify, um, uh, like, openly worshipping him? Oh, well, you'd have to ask a Torva worshipper. And I won't claim to be one, but I've said a prayer to him every once in a while. Huh? What? A lot of us do. He's the god of overcoming any obstacle. So if you're a student who has a final with a very bad professor and... You have not slept in three days, and you've studied everything, but you don't remember any of it. You might light a candle at his altar and hope what? to conquer your test. No, you pray to Wavell, who's not an asshole. <laughs> she laughs. And she says, "No, I mean praying to the gods is it's a it's a concept. It's not like I want Torva to come in here and strike down my test. I just want to be." victorious in my endeavors. Well, praying to him gives him power, so just think about that. You better not do it anymore. (laughs) And by the way, I'm looking at Slake very suspiciously after they both asked, (laughs) did Torva once save the world? And how do people justify worshipping him openly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! Corbin's getting whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Amina... We'll come back and visit you. Yeah, we'll miss you, but I already forgot your name, and I will not talk about what you said. And neither was Slake. Yeah. You can count on me <laughs> to not talk about what you said. Slake! Which was Slake! <laughs> Please. Anyway, uh, Mary, got any questions? Uh, Mary has been very quiet throughout all of this, and she just shakes her head. Cool. All right, are Mary. You, are you okay? Well, let's talk outside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, uh, for now, I think we leave. I mean, I would assume yeah. it's getting, like, we talked to her about our whole journey and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Getting we had a long late. visit. Her whole fucking life story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see through the, the lattice wall of the cave that the sun has set. The last purple wisps of light are, are fading on the horizon. And, uh, you guys can, can head back to your rooms at the palace. I think we'll do that. And on our way back, I'm going to be like... Mary, are you okay? You seem quiet. Mary looks at you, Fran, and shrugs and signs, Well, I can't speak. Okay, you know what I meant. Mary. <laughs> she she shrugs, and it's just that a lot of this, of what she's saying, doesn't match up with the books that I read when I was in the temple. What did your book say? What was different? Well, especially what she was saying about why you would worship a god I was always I always thought that the only reason you prayed to a god was to give them power but it's silly she shakes her head she signs of course people pray to the gods for 
help in their day-to-day -day lives. I just... It makes me wonder what I'm... Who I'm helping. It's something for me to think about. Don't... Don't worry yourselves. Well, Mary, reality dictates that you're right and she's wrong, so who cares? <laughs> Mary just waves you off and, and signs, don't worry about it. It's it's fine. I, we should get some rest. Okay, but you're, like, literally trying to save the world right now, but, like, who are you helping? Like, okay. Yeah, Mary. I don't know, like, every mortal on this planet? I just wonder if the people of Estra think of it that way. Well, fuck them if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck those guys. Hey, right. shut up, Slake. You can't talk that way. That's our people. We can say that. You can't. Uh, uh, just because people prayed to Torva, like, do you think he, like, really spends his weekends helping randos pass tests? She shrugs and then signs. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a god when when someone prays to you do you do you f just feel a sense of power you don't hear what they're asking for or or what they're saying she shakes her head and then signs i don't i don't feel people pray to me except for that one time when you had everybody praying and then i felt everything all at once but i wasn't i wasn't really i wasn't really conscious i just I don't... I don't hear them. Hmm. Maybe they're using the wrong name. You should send a letter. <laughs> That's probably it, Corbin. She signs. You're <laughs> probably right. I'm gonna send him a fucking letter. We're gonna send him letters, We're Mary. We're gonna send him a letter, Mary. They'll hear from us. <laughs> also, as much as I hate to say it, this is maybe something we should ask Dawson about. Oh, oh fuck that guy. Well, Fran, that's the worst thing you've ever fucking well? said. Well... What would the valet know about it? <laughs> I said Dawson, not Dodson. Oh, interchangeable. Uh, who's Dawson? He's ugh. He's ugh. It's the only he's the, ugh. the only guy on this accursed planet that's worse than Torva. <laughs> he's a demigod. Yeah. You'll know when you see him. Yeah, you fucking will. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> Mary sort of drops behind Fran and Corbin and then signs to you, like, he's really not that bad. <laughs> Corbin feels like his hackles stand on end yeah. when he doesn't know why. Yeah. He, just, he, feels like, he feels like something has just broken inside of him. <laughs> so you guys head back to your rooms. Everybody goes to bed for the evening. You're, there are fresh linens on your beds. There are big comfy duvets and like silk sheets and draped canopies and on each of your nightstands there is a glass of water and a little midnight snack in case you get hungry wow what kind of snack uh it's like bread with fruit in it and a soft cheese can mine be like a little bowl of like fried cockroaches no they're not gonna come yeah, they're not gonna <laughs> fucking do that you sicko <laughs> this isn't danmar <laughs> They don't just feed you cockroaches because you ask for Corbin it. Corbin sadly eats his cheese and says, I miss Danmar.
there, listeners. It's Shane. And Ishan, your hosts from the Total Party Thrill Podcast, the newest addition to the Don't Split the Podcast Network. We talk topics that help you, dear listener, create and play better RPG games. We have a back catalog of more than 150 weekly episodes. And we got nominated for an Emmy for episode 11, Social Contracts. In episode 154, we talked about crossing the moral event horizon. How evil is too evil? We also recap our home games, like the 40k Rogue Trader campaign, Dynasty Unwarranted. Uh, but that's mainly just you trying to kill us all. In your defense, our characters are greedy idiots. Don't forget the three years we spent Neberon playing Morning Glory, your 5th edition D&D campaign. We also review new RPGs and books, and every episode we build a 5th edition D&D character in the Character Creation Forge. You might check out the pint-sized Punisher from episode 119, a halfling with a bad attitude, and 14 levels of Barbarian. So to recap, total party thrill. RPG advice, campaign recaps, and D&D characters built by your dashing hosts every single week. What more could you possibly want? To get back to the actual show? Oh yeah, let me just hit this button, and here you go.